Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. Before we get stuck into this week's episode, a quick thank you to our supporting partners who help make the podcast possible. And this month, that's Magura and Kushkor. Dominic and Tibor from Magura joined me a few weeks back to chat about how they work with their athletes and how we too can take advantage of those customization options. It's well worth a listen if you haven't already heard it. Magura get that we're all different, so they're providing tuning options for performance, ergonomics and aesthetics by using a range of calipers, rotors, pads, levers and colour options. I'm running the MT7 Pro with the Storm HC rotors and performance pads and I've been really impressed with the brakes. The power is incredible and that power is also really controllable too. I've tried three different brake levers and found that the HC wide reach lever which they designed for Loic Bruni is the best one for me. It's a really different setup for me as I'm normally one who runs the bite point pretty close to the bar and this naturally makes sense to have the bite point further out because that's when it reaches parallel to the bar. I've actually found it really, really comfortable and it's allowed me to have more precise control of my braking too. So it's a win-win. We've got an incredible competition this month where you can win an MT7 Pro customize your brake package so that you too can try all of these options and find your ultimate setup. If you want to enter, then you need to be quick and head over to at Downtime Podcast on Instagram. Find the post from the 24th of January, which is an image of the brake and all the options, and you'll find the instructions there on how to enter. It's super simple and you've got until the end of February to enter. So be quick. If you want to check out the entire Magura range and read some of their great guides on how to choose your optimum setup, you can find all that over at magura.com. I've chosen to use Kushkor since I first tried them a few years ago. I'm a fairly light rider, so while I have damaged some aluminium rims in the past, I'm not too worried about the rim protection side of things. What drove me to keep them fitted is what Kushkor does to the way it makes the bike ride. The bike feels way more damped and the bike also maintains momentum better over rough terrain and it feels like I've got more support in the corners. Kushcourt really does deliver on the promise to allow you to go bigger, corner harder, and ride faster with total confidence. Kushcourt celebrates its fifth birthday this month, and in that time, they've amassed some pretty amazing results. They've taken 24 EWS wins, 94 podiums, and in World Cup downhill, they've got 27 wins, 96 podiums, seven world championships, and three World Cup overall champions. Pretty amazing. Kushcourt is now available for a wide range of riders and disciplines. They make an awesome tool for fitting them called the B-Dropper. You can get the Kushcourt Vows in six different colours and you can buy a set for mixed wheel size bikes too. You'll find all that and more over at kushcore.com. So if you want to go bigger, corner harder and ride faster with total confidence, then kushcore.com is the place to head. All the links you need for all of this stuff are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. The last thing you want to do is go and miss an episode of the podcast. So make sure that you're following us wherever it is you listen. There's probably a button there that says follow or subscribe. So hit that now. If you can't find the button, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe. And there's links there to all the major podcast platforms to help you get sorted. Also, please give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook where we're at Downtime Podcast. That way you'll be able to keep up to date, keep in touch and never miss a thing. All right. Today we're catching up with Bex Barrowana. Bex finished up her 2021 season with an incredible win on her home trails in the Tweed Valley. We sat down to chat about her last couple of years racing the EWS and the ups and downs along the way. We talk about Bex's move to the Tweed Valley and we find out how Bex went from a frustrating start to last season to ending it with her first ever EWS win. Bex recently announced her move to the Yeti factory racing team and we talk about how that came together and how Bex is getting on with her new bike and team. So without further ado, here's Bex Barana. Bex Barana, welcome back to the Downtime Podcast. How's things with you? Thanks for having me. Oh, voice went already. That's a good sign. <laughs> Positive start. 
<laughs> You've been ill, yeah? I've been my off season. <laughs> Have you? You've been ill? Uh, I was ill straight after season, but yeah, um, Chloe's been ill, not me. Yeah, luckily okay. managed to stay away. Good stuff. Well, yeah, last time you came on the show, I was looking back and it was uh, early 2019, I think, like May, June kind of time. Um, and uh, I guess a lot's changed since then. And one of the big things is that you've moved um, to Tweed Valley. When did you move up? Moved up here in November. Um, so in the middle of like the second kind of lockdown. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> just always, always wanted to live up here. And I mean, it paid off pretty well at the end of the season. Um, but it was, yeah, aside from just training and, and racing, it's I've always like loved the area, like so outdoorsy and all the people are super welcoming and um, and and there's the right to roam, which is like a big plus for me. So you can pretty much go anywhere and within reason, <laughs> not in someone's back garden, but you can go kind of anywhere and explore where you want and not kind of have people tell you off, which is what it was kind of like where I used to live. So yeah, I love it up there. Nice. How have you found it from a sort of riding training perspective? Uh, it's mega. I mean, you've got world-class trails on the doorstep, so it's kind of like frustrating though, because you might, I don't know, one week when you're training, you might only actually ride like once or twice because you might have other things going on or you might be traveling somewhere else to ride. And then it's kind of frustrating because you live at the bottom of like all the trails that you absolutely love. Um, but then when you do go and ride them, they're just so good. And there's always people to ride with loads of different standards of riders like you can go out with mum club and it's pretty fast to be honest you can go out with like the young up-and-coming rippers and they're like absolutely pushing the limits already so um yeah there's loads to go out yeah it's changed a lot over the last uh, 10 years or so there's a hell of a crew up there now must be must be good to have fast people to ride with all the time yeah definitely i mean a lot of the like general training rides are normally just me and Chloe a lot of the time just when like if we've got intervals and stuff to go on with but the, if you're wanting to go and do something specific like I know like I'm on a bit of a mission to get better at jumping and stuff like you, there's always people you could like pull on and be like can you come and show me this even though there's like no jumps in the Tweed Valley yeah that's the one thing it's lacking <laughs> isn't it I guess yeah well there's one big massive one at the bottom of Feed the Pony that they put in for the race which was quite hard to do in the race actually because it was like a a bit like sort of sticky on the takeoff so yeah. <laughs> not many people cleared it i don't think yeah there's a lot of pedaling to get that actually <laughs> yeah. done i think it looked looked pretty gnarly yeah Fair play is it hard to take a rest day up there though because like you say you've got so much good stuff it must be hard to sit inside and not get out there yeah i think i think we've managed to calm down on that because it was really hard at first but we've been up here like about year and a half nearly or just over a year and yeah at first it was very hard to take a rest day because you're just like I need to go and ride that trail <laughs> I basically wrote down all the trails when we first got here and what is tick like all of them off so you're not always just riding the same stuff but it kind of like just goes in a big cycle so once you've like not done one for a while you just go back to the start again and you're like oh we'll ride that one again <laughs> so it is quite hard to take a rest day but I've got a dog now so that's that helps because I could just go on like a nice big walk or something instead very nice. What um, what's it been like since the storms up there? Because there's quite a lot of damage from what I saw. Yeah, it is. It's I'd say I don't know, like maybe fifty percent of the trails have kind of maybe about like thirty percent of trails have gone for like ever. Right, it's pretty sad because <laughs> wow. the whole backside of the Golfie, um, where there was like uh, Water World, Big Bore, um, some of the trails like we raced. They, that's just like looks like a tsunami's been through. It's 
pretty pretty mad. And then we had a storm just this weekend. We were actually in Wales, but apparently there's a bit more damage as well. So global warming really getting involved. Yeah, but the trail ferries have been up and starting to make kind of reroute sections and get things back up and running, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Oh, God, the, the village is like... The the trail ferries here are crazy. There's a massive bunch of them. <laughs> Everyone looks after the trails real good. Yeah, nice. You got a good spot there. Well, let's let's briefly touch on that year of joy that was 2020. What was that like as an athlete? Because you, I guess you kind of you weren't knowing whether you'd be going racing when you'd be going racing. How was that for you? Yeah, 2020 was like just awkward. Just like you've just felt like you were. Are you coming or are you going? Like you didn't really know what was happening. Like team managers didn't really know what was happening. Um, and then when we did finally get out racing, which was like, I can't remember what was it August? I think the Zermatt, like September. Yeah, and then it was like we went to Zermatt, which is like, I mean, it was kind of ski season by that point. <laughs> so I remember being at the race, and the morning of the race, we were like getting updates. Okay, racing's delayed an hour because the snow's coming in, and then it was like, oh, we're gonna cut this track and then we're going to cut that track so then we were just like what the hell's going on like it just wasn't really it wasn't really the sport that we we all trained for um and then I got COVID so I was (laughs) going to ask about that yeah yeah what happened you would so you you raced there Matt didn't you I think were you sixth yeah I think I was sixth and then off to Pietra and Finale was like a double header thing wasn't there I think but yeah so just got got COVID probably in Zermatt and then had the double header coming up, which was would have felt a bit more like a season, I suppose, because then at least got three races. Because the Zermatt race really didn't feel like a, a race. Cause yeah, it was, it was like two, two stages. stages yeah. And like you, you couldn't really see your hand in front of your face. Like it was, it was really like foggy and snowy. So, um, but yeah, got COVID probably at that race, and then went to went to finale. Sort of on the way to finale, got test, got a test because I lost my taste. Um, so that was quite a big like <laughs> big flag big red flag saying that like probably got COVID so I got a proper test and then came back positive then Chloe got her test she came back positive so and then I think there's probably like a few other people that were getting tested as well so there wasn't just us I don't think that ended up missing the race but it was yeah we were just pretty much in like a apartment that was like a jail for like <laughs> three and a half weeks what was, yeah it was well at that point in COVID they didn't quite know I think the Italian rules were like you had to have two negative tests before you could get released. So every time like we'd get a negative and then the next, you'd get tested the next day because they come like in suits to your house, like uh-huh. or apartment, wherever you stay in. And uh, you, then you get tested the next day and I was like, hoping it'd be a double negative and then you'd get a positive again. And they'd be like, okay, we're going to wait a week to make sure that it's out your system. So every time you got a positive, they'd wait another week. So yeah, we were there three and a half weeks which was not ideal kind of yeah. mentally it was actually we literally like lost our minds <laughs> how, how do you live because I, I guess once while the ews people are around there's people there to kind of help you out bring you shopping and stuff but they're not there forever right yeah it, well, it was pretty crap when everyone left <laughs> like the first two weeks all right like we got through it we were watching the updates of the race people were bringing us like gelato and stuff and pizza because we had like a little balcony that, that was at like ground level. So uh, we were hang, like chatting to people and it wasn't too bad. But then when everyone left, it really did feel like, guys, you, you forgot about us. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
that was pretty, yeah, pretty crap. But luckily, like our Airbnb lady was like, I'll bring you food. She brought us so many Italian snacks. Amazing. <laughs> we had to like, we had to ration ourselves because we would have been like <laughs> double the size by the time we left. <laughs> Italian hospitality it normally goes yeah. pretty well, doesn't it? Yeah, it was like all like baked goods. We're like, oh no, <laughs> going to be huge play. by the time we get out of quarantine. <laughs> but you finally, you finally did get home, and then I guess into another off season. Did you feel confident that you'd be going racing in twenty twenty one? Like, was it hard to get the motivation compared to a normal off season because everything was still pretty up in the air, especially in the UK, right? Yeah, I seem to remember trying to de- like delete this chapter out of my, my brain, <laughs> the COVID chapters, but I, I seem to remember it was still kind of up in the air in terms of, I think the, the season was planned for March, but then the yeah. first race got cancelled again. So it was like, oh, for God's sake, we're back to like, are, are we going, are we not? Um, but at that point, I think I kind of actually got into training and stuff and just decided, well, we need to train regardless, like got to be ready for if it happens, which was, I do remember it being quite hard to like, you go through quite big waves of like, what are we training for? Like everything's going to get cancelled. Um, but yeah, because like when the first lockdown came about, I was like, sweet, don't need to train, like <laughs> feet up. But <clears throat> I actually ended up getting quite fit because just got into biking in terms like not thinking about racing. So uh-huh. just like hammering the gravel bike and little garden workouts and stuff. So yeah, let's talk a bit about the start of that 2021 season then. So kicked off in Val de Faso, I think. How are you feeling turning up for that? Nervous, really, really nervous. It felt yeah. like such a long break from like racing properly. Um, and then, I don't know, I feel like I'd done the off-season, like, well, kind of like long off-season and I knew I was probably in the best shape I've had ever been in for racing. Like I knew my speed was a lot better and stuff, but it kind of just all went down the drain when I lost my head with so kind of like just way too nervous, like because I knew I, I probably could be in touch like that season. Um, so that so my season didn't get off to the best starts with like just just nerves, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, fair, but yeah, was it sixteenth? I think the first of that double yeah. header, and then did you did you not race the second one? Yeah, race the second one. I think I was like, oh, maybe ninth. Okay. I think. Yeah. But um, I got a bit of confidence from the, so the second one we did, uh, the pro stage was like, it turned into like a complete mud bath. Like there was a storm as we were like racing it. So I kind of got, took a lot of confidence from that in terms of like, okay, maybe I can forget about the 16th last week. And um, cause I was kind of, kind of excited to ride in the mud and knew I could do pretty well. And yeah, out of the wave of uh, sort of wet web. Cause I think, in in our sport there's like i don't know two waves it's like the i don't even know why why they do it there's literally about six or seven women that go off like an hour and a half before sort of main lot of women uh-huh. um, it's usually like the privateers and stuff but they obviously got a dry track and then we got like a storm um that rolled in and yeah i think i came i think i was like second out of the sort of wet riders which came to like six or something like that i don't know yeah. but it I was like, took a lot of confidence from that and then tried to turn my race around, but I was just not riding. Like, I don't know. Like, I can visit, if I look at videos, I can visibly see. I was just riding like a stiff, just <laughs> like an ironing board down my, down the back of my, my jersey or something. <laughs> so. Is it just, just purely nerves and you think just kind of locking your body up or. It was nerves. And then like just mental side of like, not like, I, like I said, like I knew I could, 
I was probably in the best shape riding when I'm riding loose and fast, like I was riding super fast, but yeah, just, just feeling pressure that I was putting on myself, which was not useful at all. <laughs> yeah. Have you had any like mental coaching or any of that side of the sport yet? I've dabbled in it a little bit because I did, I did work with one guy um, and he, like, it was really good, really insightful. I find it super interesting, but I think I'm quite a thinker, you see. So I think it made me then start thinking more about like how the brain works and like basically almost like a bit of a distraction actually. Um, and a bit, I probably got a bit too into knowing all about it and seeing like warning signs of like when you might be, I don't know, overdoing it or whatever. And just, I probably overthought the whole process and I, it ended up going from useful to not so useful. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Fair play. Yeah, kind of clouds things even more. Yeah, so, and then I have, because I think my mental side is probably, like, my weakest part of my, my racing. Um, so I have tried to, like, look into going back into it, but I'm a little bit scarred from, like, <laughs> knowing that I probably overthink things. Um, but it's something I'm open to still. So, yeah, how uh, from there onwards, I guess, so, like, a decent result to get going? Not probably quite what you'd hoped for, but then on to the twill was there wasn't much of a gap, was there? Another double header, and I think you came yeah. out of there with a tenth and a seventh. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty devastated leaving uh, the first the first race, like so. Not, not I suppose embarrassed was not embarrassed, like embarrassed at myself, like and just annoyed, frustrated that I just didn't put it together and like let these nerves get in the way. And then we moved on. Um, and Latouille was is a venue that I really like. I love. We've done a team camp there before. I love the tracks, and I was hoping I'd be able to sort of spin it around. And then the first race didn't <clears throat> didn't really get off to like. I still felt slightly stiff, like I wasn't just letting go of like I don't even know what it was, but I was just like riding quite tight. Um, I can't even, I can't remember what what month was it. This was in good question. June, July. It was a late start again, wasn't it? Yeah, and. I can't remember. I th- I've got a feeling this. Let me just look at my calendar because this would make sense actually. <laughs> because one of my friends actually had a huge accident at home. And I can't remember if it was. And I was riding pretty tight after her accident because I mean she she kind of nearly died and it took us all by surprise. We were just out riding, and um, ever since it kind of it did change my sort of perspective on like wow you can go from sort of having a great time to not such a great time quite quickly. It's quite a, a traumatic experience. And I think that might have been actually a little part of the whole riding stiff, not uh, actually wanting to let go because I was super nervous about crashing. And Yeah. So it's the but, first weekend of July, I think, like 8th, 9th of July. Yeah, I think that was post Emma's accident. <clears throat> so I was <clears throat> obviously like super, super nervous because of that, but... Yeah, I suppose I built a little bit. Of, I can't remember. Did I come? T- did you say I come tenth? Tenth uh, and seventh. Yeah. Tenth and seventh. So yeah, I was moving in the right direction. Um, I don't remember being like, "Oh yeah, we're on it now." <laughs> <laughs> I just remember being like, "Okay, yeah, we're going going in the right direction." And I, I, I could kind of sense that maybe the team were getting a little bit frustrated because I was. They knew I can perform. That's why they've, I've been with Ibis for the last four years. Like they knew I could perform. They just couldn't quite put the finger on like what wasn't letting me sort of get there. Yeah. Um, so it was getting a little bit frustrating for them as well. So I was, I'm 
probably like a bit of a people pleaser in that sense. Like I was like struggling with that because I was like, they're doing working so hard, making sure my bike's amazing. Like they literally the mechanics work like through the night, and why am I not putting it together? How I know I could put it together. So that was really really frustrating. Yeah, it must be hard because the pre- I guess yeah the pressure builds like every result that you get that you're not happy with, especially when you know there's nothing really standing in the way. Like that pressure just grows and grows, I guess, and then the head gets worse i suppose yeah totally like it was just like a bit of a spiral and there was it was trying to find catch something that could just get me out of that little like little repetitive cycle of sort of like oh a result that i didn't want and then like you know so not even just a result i didn't want like the kind of riding i didn't want to be doing which was like really stiff not just in a state of flow which is obviously what we're always chasing to get that feeling of flowing but i was so far from flowing um so yeah, and also with the back-to-back races, like double headers, you didn't really get a chance to kind of like just reflect on it, move on. It was kind of like you did the race, you woke up the next day, you started preparing for the next race. So, um, yeah, it was kind of a little bit of a cycle I was in um, and then trying to find it, something to break out of it. Yeah, well, yeah, and then Ludenvier was in that first block as well, I think 10th and a 9th place there, I'm guessing similar feelings for you. Yeah, Ludenville was, I really enjoyed the venue. It was really nice to go somewhere completely new, fresh, um, didn't know what to expect. Uh, tried to come in, into it a little bit more like open-minded of in terms of just see what's there. And it was just really nice to be somewhere fresh because EWS has definitely started going to a few more of the same venues, which uh-huh. is, I definitely enjoy going to new places because kind of like a level playing field as well. Um but yeah, the I didn't really exactly get the break I was hoping for. But I don't know if at this point in the season I'm like kind of just hoping that something was just going to turn around. Um, but obviously that didn't happen until a lot later in the season, which luckily it happened. But, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, and it, it I've heard a lot of people say they kind of struggled with the season a little bit because the format was very different. I think from what maybe people were expecting and people had trained for like the stages were maybe a, like a bit higher intensity a bit shorter more like a load of downhill stages and then obviously the the, the format of the double headers and stuff did you feel like you you had the physical requirements for like that first part of the season or yeah the the format is def was definitely completely different like i felt like i was like a a kid that had turned up to an exam at school and had like had the wrong book that I was revising from. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, I remember thinking, like, wow, I, I'm in the shape of my life, like really, really fit this year, and we're not doing any pedaling to get to any stages. We're just sat on chairlifts, which is great. It's <clears throat> like kind of fun, but it's not. It's not what I train for, and it's actually not really like my one of my strengths is definitely like fitness side of stuff. Like I'm a bit of a diesel engine. Um, so yeah I was a little bit bummed about that and then I was when you like you've obviously recognized that I'd kind of trained for the wrong thing not trained for sort of like high intensity you couldn't really make any mistakes on the tracks they were like multi it was just like a multi downhill event um hadn't really put the time and effort into replicating sort of downhill runs um so that was a little bit frustrating and on the fly while the race was so back to back you couldn't really do anything about it you just had to get on with it um so, yeah, a little heads up from the EWS wouldn't have gone amiss. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, we're going to be doing more like, downhill this year. So, 
maybe get on a few uplifts that would be, be helpful yeah yeah well and then there was a bit of a break wasn't there i guess sort of because everything was structured around the olympic summer there was a, a decent amount of time for people to kind of come back home and and reboot a little bit did you change anything up in that space in the middle before like heading back out for crans did i change anything up? <laughs> should have revised before this <laughs> <laughs> i've not, not got the best memory did i change anything up before crans i think my attitude changed a little bit in terms of like not wallowing in whatever's happened and yeah it gave you the ch- well it gave me the chance to just get get past whatever had happened and yeah. i was a bit nervous for Kranz in, in the terms that like I, I'd done a bit of research and it was like quite a jumpy kind of place, um, some big features and stuff. But then I actually ended up just taking that as like a, like, let's see how we can do it. Like, let's just, cause I end up going like a few days before practice and doing like some other jumps with the, with our filmer, Nikki, and he was towing me into a jump that I just really didn't want to do. <laughs> but then I was like, I do want to do this because then practice for this race is going to go so much better because I've got like a, a benchmark of like things I can do. Um, so yeah, probably just like a little bit of a mindset shift only slightly. Like I was just a bit more open, a bit more, a bit more up for it. Probably put the past behind me in terms of like getting results that I wasn't exactly stoked on and just riding how I wasn't exactly stoked. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Do you, and you'd won the hard rock uh in that little summer gap as well does that i mean it's quite a big event in the uk like does that give you a bit of confidence to come home and take victories of that sort of stuff like uh in terms of like confidence for like race results it doesn't translate very well into ews because it's super different event um but it it was just fun i think actually probably took more from it from just having fun seeing heaps of like people that like i'd seen like from years back because I don't get to do too many UK races anymore. Um, so it was just good fun to see people and just see the UK scene and like how big it is and how many people are riding, how many people are racing. So that was just, I probably just took sort of like the fun element away from that. Um, and yeah, you only need a little something to catch a, a, like a wave and then you start feeling a little bit more better about your riding or a bit more confident. So I probably did take quite a bit of momentum from that even yeah. though like the ride in itself doesn't translate at all to EWS because it's kind of like sprinting through fields, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was, yeah, it's just the, <clears throat> the energy you take from it. Yeah. And were you having fun in Crowns then? Did that fun continue or? Yeah. I'll, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to going back. It's actually quite a challenging place for me personally. I'm, I mean, there was quite a few other people like struggling with the jumps and stuff and the big drops because we don't really get too many of them in enduro. There might be like one thing on the whole course, but this was like, every track had about you know a dozen sort of jumps or doubles or whatever or drops and I kind of I'm looking forward to going back because it's like something I know I can work on which when you when you're competing at this level it's like maybe you sort of like thinking about like the smaller details but for me this is actually quite a big detail so it's given me something to go away this this off season actually get myself to bike parks like I've just been to Diffie and Revs this weekend and try to do a few things that make you uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> how was that well it was it was uncomfortable definitely but mainly because i could have done with going like following people that knew the tracks because uh I kind of, i'm like not really a look like i kind of look before i leap i've always uh-huh. took that advice from tracy mosley told me that advice like when i first started getting into biking and i've literally i don't know took it 
very literal. So <laughs> poor Chloe will be following me down a track and I'll just absolutely jam the brakes on because I'll be like, <laughs> whoa, we need to stop. <laughs> so it must be quite frustrating, but it's, I don't know, I like, I'd hate it if I just launched off something that I hadn't looked at and women ended up in a ditch. So that's just kind of how I roll. I'd rather, I'd rather be safe than sorry, to be honest. Yeah. But good to push yourself, I guess. Like it's a new challenge and keeps the energy yeah. high. Yeah. It's totally like, it's, it's funny because it's like, I don't know, a weekend like that for a lot of people would be like the ultimate weekend. But for me, I don't know, it kind of just made me realise the kind of riding I do like to do, which isn't so much that kind of riding. But that is how you kind of get better at if you race and you do need to do the things you don't like doing. So, yeah, kind of try my hardest to do that. And it's 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 cool. Like Some of the stuff people can do in bike parks, I just get in a bike park and I just go, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing. Like... <laughs> that boom looks too sort of like chilled like I don't really know what <laughs> I kind of need like substance to my tracks to sort of really get me going um but yeah so when when you go somewhere like Krantz to try and race I'm just like my brain kind of switches off when there's not enough going on on the track and so I'm not actually racing the sort of bike park stuff very fast so uh-huh. trying to work on that a little bit yeah how do you feel about that result then I think you were 12th there in the end we, did you feel okay with that knowing it's something that isn't like a strong skill set for you uh i remember being super pleased with just ticking off some of the features that i didn't think i'd go over um but by this point honestly in the season i just i just wasn't even like i was honestly i'd get i'd finish a race and just be like there we go another bloody result i don't exactly want to look at so i by this point i was i suppose trying to just take the mini victories which was more like taking like you know the jumps or drops that I didn't really want to do and progressing myself as a rider I was taking them as victories and which is frustrating because obviously I'm on a team that pay me to get results <laughs> so it's kind of like you do feel a little bit of unfulfillment like I'm not doing my job very well and um, so it was a bit of a battle but I was trying to take all the positives I could yeah and then coming out of there into finale and I I get the impression that sort of old EWS was back like it was some big days out on the bike, lots of pedaling, pretty warm. And like you say, that that diesel engine of yours is able to kind of go out and do what it's made to do. Something looked like it clicked. Was it was it the change in format? Was there something else going on? Like how was that weekend? Yeah, that was I mean, for a start when we got the race course like map out, I just thought, oh great, like we're doing an enduro this weekend, <laughs> which was great. Um because that is where I definitely sort of come into my my own in terms of like just being able to muscle out a whole sort of day of riding. Um, yeah, I, like I, I remember getting to the top of the last stage and before I even knew where I was sitting sort of thing, I remember thinking like I'm looking around, looking at the other people and they look absolutely done. <laughs> like, And I'm thinking I'm ready for this next track like because I'm sort of watching everyone, looking at everyone else and yeah, it, it's a nice feeling but it was kind of a bit too late for the season, the second to last race. Um, yeah. But yeah, doing an enduro and actually pedaling, like the first liaison was like right up all the way up to the top of Nata base, which is a big old pedal to be fair. It did take us by, and it was actually a tight liaison. Like we got, I think about two, I think we got like two hours 15 to do it. And I remember Robin, my old teammate being like, he was like, I'm sure he was like, oh, that's plenty of time. It takes us an hour and 45 usually. So we, I just set off at like an all right pace and then <clears throat> got about an hour and a half in and I kind of realised, no, this is actually not going to be that 
pleasant. <laughs> so we got to like the last, the last t- half an hour was like, I honestly think I was like actually probably at like threshold <laughs> for yeah, the last geez. like 20 minutes, 20 minutes, yeah, half an hour. The Well, maybe not half an hour yet, probably about 20 minutes. And I just, I was riding up with uh, Anita and Caro and I was like, I need to go. Like, I can't just keep riding with you two. I'm actually going to be late. And then when I, I think I got there with about five to 10 minutes, but some people like, like I think Becky Cook and Jill were in front of me and they were like literally putting the gloves on as they dropped in. And that's, that was pretty, uh, pretty gnarly. Whoa, <laughs> like the, the beepers were going down and they were putting gloves on. And I was like, Oh God, that's stressful. <laughs> but yeah, I think that was just like the tone of the race. So I kind of could see people hadn't quite gauged the, the, I don't know, the course map for it too well and like the timing and stuff. And I could tell if I could just keep it at a good pace and, you know, keep, keep fed and watered, I'd probably have a little bit of an edge because it's quite yeah. a long day and it's quite sunny and and finale is just mint you like you feel good on a bike in finale <laughs> that's why i'm going back in a couple of weeks <laughs> <laughs> was the fl- was the flow back uh was the flow back i think there was just a slightly different attitude i've had a few other stresses going on that week in terms of like sort of renegotiating type stresses um and there was a bit of a kind of a deadline put on stuff which um actually ended up fueling things quite well for me because it just sort of gave me a bit of fuel to the fire um because yeah race week deadline is not really the best way to go about things if you ask me so um yeah I actually use that as fuel and yeah it worked really really well for me sweet yeah third place podium spot gotta feel nice after like you say a season where you don't really want to look at the results and suddenly you stood on the podium yeah I couldn't like I couldn't really believe well I honestly, because I had all, that's another thing. Like all season, I've been like doing one stage, and then honestly, I'd be getting my phone out to look at what the damage was, like, like where am I sat? Like, what's the damage here? Like, this is embarrassing. And then I was just like, I kind of went into like a fuck it mentality. <laughs> I was just kind of like, obviously, I was a little bit stressed, like I said, about some other things going on. So I just was just a bit like, I'll just do what I'm doing, and just like, I'm just going to round my back. I'm not going to check any of the times all day because there's nothing I can do about it, and. And then my dad messaged me at the top of the last stage and he's like, you're in fifth and you're only a second off the podium. And then I was just like, right, I'm having it. Like, especially when I could see everyone else was like struggling with the heat and stuff. And I was like, and it was, I think I'd done quite well on, it was the same stage as the pro stage. So I'd done quite well on the pro stage. And I thought if I can do exactly the same again, then like, just don't crash basically. (laughs) Then I'll be absolutely fine. And I can, I was like, I can make that second up. And I don't know, I just, I'm not really... I found like a bit of fire and grit that I hadn't really experienced before. Like I don't, I don't really race like, well, in the past I haven't really raced that sort of like competitively in terms of like, oh, I'm going to win type of thing. Like it's not yeah. really my, my sort of natural style um, mentally, but I found a bit of extra grit, which really did sort of, I think that honestly made the difference in terms of wanting it. And then, yeah, the, the feeling at the end was like so intense. Like I, I was just bawling my eyes out. <laughs> we were riding back from, I think it's Final Borg, to like the little tiny village on the outside of Finale. We were riding back into town to sort of like get the results. And then we were like updating the phone and Chloe, she'd already finished race and she called me and she was like, you've done it. And I just burst into tears and like all the girls, we were just like cruising along the road and they were all just like, wow, she's done it. And I, was, I couldn't believe it. And I was just like, bloody hell. 
that turned around quickly, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so good. And then it was from there, like coming back to what is now home for, for you, the Tweed Valley. Did you bring that kind of some of that grit back with you? Uh, honestly, the two races, even though they were both obviously on the podium and they, they were two, two totally different feelings. So the finale was like super, way more like probably more memorable in some ways because it went from being such a crap season to like, oh God, like I can do it if I just sort of get myself in the right space and get that fire. And then coming back home, I'd actually, I mean, I told my team like I will win that race, which was sort of super <laughs> cocky and super big headed. But I suppose ever since I started racing, um, like that is totally not my style to be like, I'm going to win that race like at all. But I just knew I could do it. So if I just sort of maybe spoke like that, I'd actually be like, I've got to prove that I can do it now actually because I've told people I'm going to win it. So, <laughs> and that actually, it works because I I was a bit scared that it might backfire. <laughs> and then I'd be like, right, I'm never racing again. <laughs> but like if I didn't win it, but um, I don't know. It was just like ever since I ride it, started racing and like the, always the goal was to win an EWS. I knew that this would be the first opportunity to win one because okay. it's trails that I absolutely love to ride. Like, so buzzing to ride them and now I live here so I, it was kind of it was pretty stressful week to be fair <laughs> like because I put quite a lot of stress on myself but I really enjoyed it I like enjoyed riding under under the pressure um and I suppose it was similar pressure that I'd felt at the end of the finale race when I realized I was actually in touch with the podium um because it just yeah you kind of just go super like tunnel vision you don't really think about anything else Whereas I'm probably I've probably been way too sort of like aware of my surroundings when racing, which is probably not very helpful. <laughs> Interesting. Were you so were you keeping an eye on the times and did you know where you were like throughout the day or were you just getting it done? Yeah, no. So I was checking the times. So I knew it'd be super tight because it's um, the tracks are a lot shorter than anywhere we've sort of raced in the season. But also, I knew that the first stage of like the, the main race day. So I'd won the pro stage on the Saturday yeah. and then on the Sunday I knew that the first stage it was bothering me because I knew that it was going to be like a bit of a, a bit of a shit show like it was really muddy and I just knew it wasn't going to be a good start to race so I sort of prepped myself for like you're probably not going to absolutely smash that run and then I hit a tree and I was like <laughs> okay this is like the stage you really didn't want to be making mistakes on but so I was actually I think I was like ninth on that stage I think I was like a solid like 18 seconds back and I was wow. like did check because I needed to know what damage I'd done. Um, so I had to pull my finger out all day. I think it was 18 seconds. I might be wrong, but it was a, it was a chunky amount. Um, so, yeah, that didn't really set the, the race off to a good start on that Sunday. But I just kept checking the times and just kept seeing I was, like, plugging away at it. And, um, I mean, Jess Stone was on an absolute flyer. She was, like, I don't know whether – I mean – Having a rubbish start to the day for myself was probably like a little bit of an open door, but she took she absolutely took it on, and I was proper impressed with with her riding. Should we want yeah. to watch this year? For sure. Did she dislocate a finger or something? She had to pull out, right? Yeah, she she won the stage actually. She won Big Ball, um, which is like the, the gnarliest stage out of all of them. She like a finger, a little finger was like literally like half the size, like it just been pushed inside itself, oh. and she was going to carry on, but I was I don't know. I think the medics and the marshals talked her out of it because I think she's only actually recently just got back on the bike. So that's like, what, three months later, four months later? Yeah. It's been quite a big, big injury. Yeah. Um, Rough. 
but yeah, the Brits were they were doing really well, and yeah, I just kept checking the time, and then realised going up to the last stage, I was like four seconds to make up for this 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 said win that I was going to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was pretty stressed. I just remember cycling up to that last stage, going, "You you don't want a second place medal. Like you're not here for a silver. <laughs> you were here for a win. So pull your finger out, love." <laughs> So you pushed on that last stage because yeah. you, you were super close to Hattie, right? Yeah, Hattie was like four seconds ahead of me on, well, like 3.8 or something like that. Um, I knew I needed to make four seconds up to take the win um, on Hattie. And I, I, I pretty much went into that last stage with like a do or die. It was either I was going to crash or I was going to win. So it was quite a cool feeling, like kind of a little fairy tale, I suppose. Like when I first got into biking, I suppose this is the kind of thing I wanted to happen. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool. I stood at the bottom of that stage watching everyone come down and it was awesome to see your face when you realised you'd done it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, just like, kind of like, I remember my whole body was like kind of shaking a bit and just my legs felt a bit jelly. It was a bit weird. <laughs> I was just trying Fair to find play. my mum and dad in the crowd. <laughs> nice. No, yeah, I think cool they were they coming were running off the hill. Yeah, yeah. No, it was re- really cool to have like, just even just people from the village as well that I've got to know over just the last year of living here. The, everyone was proper backing, backing me, which was cool. Nice. Yeah. I've heard you talk about your 2019 season where I think your objective was to get on the podium and you ticked that off at the first race and you talked about feeling kind of pretty hollow after that, like not really knowing how to deal with it and, and like struggling a bit from a mental health perspective. Like, how does this compare? Because like you say, it's something you've been trying to do forever you know, it's a big, big deal. And then you've done it, you've done it in your hometown. Was it different to that 2019 kind of podium objective? Yeah, no, it was totally different. I'm I'm super pleased it was different because when my first goal was to get a podium at EWS and I got it on that first race, the hollow feeling was kind of like, what next? But I suppose that experience has given me the chance. So now I've fulfilled this goal of winning one. It's uh, it's given me the chance to realise that you just set another goal, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, yeah, I've probably took like it also it's a super different feeling in terms of like there's there was there's not really anything else to fill person like for me personally I, like winning one was the sort of the, the highest goal. Uh, I've never really th- thought too deeply about chasing like for an overall, um, just because I think it's something you could chase for years and years, and if. And there's so many variables that could come into it, like injury, breaking bike parts, like, and I don't know if I'd get the fulfillment I'd be wanting from an overall. Um, I'm sure if I was like, but then that's maybe, you know, maybe if you're Richie and, and um, Jack and it's like, you know, it's quite con- consistently just one or the other, maybe I'd have a different feeling about it. But for me, it's like the next goal is to, to win one that's not a home race. Uh-huh. So I'd like to win at a different venue. That's sort of the next goal. Um that I'm working towards but I suppose it's also just given me I think like just the confidence that like whatever I've been doing does work you just got to be patient wait for things to line up because the last sort of six years of chasing that goal have just kind of like been there's been so many times I'm just like is this ever actually going to happen like have I actually got what it takes to do it but now like whenever I'm chasing something I know that like it is possible because I've done like I've now done it so I suppose that's the difference in terms of like not having that hollow feeling it's more actually gone the opposite way and it's sort of filled in a part of like a bit of a bit of me that just doubts myself so nice that's good to hear yeah, yeah fair play 
yeah, it'll be. I'm excited for the next goal, but I think I'm hoping finale. I'm thinking finale is probably my best chance for my next my next win. Okay, but we're not racing there this year, so <laughs> you have <laughs> to wait. Right. I'll be trying. I'm going to be trying at every venue, obviously. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that's cool. So, when did you start thinking about who you're going to be riding for then for 2022? Take us through that. Uh, well, like I mentioned a little bit about like renegotiating wasn't exactly the most smoothest. Uh, thing and there was I think I was due a change to be honest and I think deep down I knew that um because I was kind of thinking if I wasn't going to re-sign with Ibis that I'd set up my own program okay. and just go private um I think I needed as much as scary as it was because Ibis did offer me uh a contract I didn't I felt the best step for me would be to actually do something different um, okay. just get new people to be around like fresh environment um and I suppose all this head scratching that was going on at the start of the season was maybe me just thinking like, is this working? Is this scenario working? Um, <clears throat> so I wasn't actually, I was I was talking to a few other people, but not really. I was more thinking about setting up sort of, yeah, team. It was actually going to be team go on. And okay. I was hoping to sort of like start myself off on something and then eventually morph it into a like a little team with like development riders and stuff. And that's still definitely a big like goal of mine well mine and Martha's um so yeah watch this space <laughs> but the yeah they actually speaking with the the new team came uh after the the last race so yeah okay it wasn't it was more actually just uh a friend of mine was chatting with the same team and then our, their negotiations had finished and she actually stayed where she is and then I was like do you mind if I jump in and just see if they want me <laughs> and went from there fair play yeah so tell us tell us about the new team then the new team yeah so i'm riding for yeti this year which will be very very colorful i'm excited to have (laughs) turquoise everything (laughs) (laughs) awesome yeah Yeah, Yeah, you must be stoked i'm so buzzing and since i've got to know the guys there like went over to america um to meet them all really briefly just before christmas and it the setup seems very well planned out um quite a different vibe to what i've been used to but also a lot of similar similarities everyone's just a bike rider at the end of the day like at 4 30 they all stop working and go and get a beer so that's pretty yeah. they, they've got a pretty nice setup there um and the bike feels insane like it's already like a not i was a little bit worried sort of signing without actually trying a bike but I mean, it's a pretty proven bike, right? Richie's taking yep. it to multiple wins. Um, so, yeah, I was uh, I was a little bit nervous, but more just nervous for like, the, the puzzle that might come with it, trying to get on with a new bike. But honestly, I've, it's been the easiest bike to get on with. And I've just been slowly building my speed up and doing a bit of filming actually this week on it. I'm sure that's going to be the icing on the cake for getting that speed there. So. Nice. Yeah, I was going to ask how you approach getting up to speed on a new bike. Is there like a, a process you you go through to kind of get set up and feel comfortable? Yeah, I just, I mean, in terms of like obviously the setup, uh, the team have sort of set it up for me in terms of like some base markers and I'm going to be doing a bit of testing with Fox and stuff. But in terms of just building a relationship with the bike and actually getting on with it, I like to just start real slow and no pressure. Like I don't try and get swept into doing stuff on the bike too soon that might be a bit over like a bit overkill because I think it's good to start on a good foot like if you just go like just go hooning on it straight away uh and then have like silly crashes or not just not feel how the bike's working and stuff it's just 
a recipe for like scratching your head whereas I've just built up really slowly like just start no prep go on rides no pressure no pressure to be faster than like the last time I rode that track or whatever and just yeah just getting on with it and it's been mint it's been so good really enjoying it sweet has it been hard to keep it a secret because they're not the most uh <laughs> easy to hide bikes are they yeah no I was kind of expecting that I might get sent back to the UK with a black bike because <laughs> riding down in a Leland High Street on a turquoise bike is uh is yeah I think there's been like a little bit of a mini sort of Scottish release <laughs> like a pre-release <laughs> but yeah it's it's been I've been trying to keep it off social media and stuff but it's uh it's a very good looking bike so it, I'm looking forward to posting about it yeah and a lot of similar components and sponsors from your previous bike right yeah I think that's why I was quite keen to just sign the contract and like just yeah let's get the bike and try it because I've literally got like, other than the frame, the grips and the saddle, everything's the same. So, um, so yeah, tires, suspension, brakes, which is like the main things for me. They're all all the same, and it's been really cool because like, it means I can actually notice a difference on like the frame, and like how it handles different parts of the tracks. And like, obviously, I know the tracks so well up here. Like the, it's I've really enjoyed it because obviously I've pretty much like from the start of my career ridden ibis bikes so mm-hmm. um other than the changes within the ibis bikes like i did ride uh 650b and then 29er and stuff it's been really cool to jump on a completely different bike different like geometry like different linkage everything it's it handles it's cool to see what stuff it handles differently um i must admit the back end feels like buttery smooth very very nice sweet you do a lot you're more on... plowing <laughs> you're on a full 29er with it yeah, on the SB150. Um, uh-huh. So, yeah, full 29er. And, yeah, it's, it's a nice, it's good riding position, actually. It's um, it's a little bit lower on the front because the first thing I noticed when I went over to, to pick the bike up is, is I saw, I just saw the bike and I thought, oh, my gosh, it's slammed on the front end. Yeah. But apparently that's kind of like how this bike performs best is to kind of be a little bit more over the front. And I've just stuck with it because straight away I was like, right let's put spaces under there um, but they were like no stick with it try it and I, and I have and it's been mint it's kind of just brought my body weight a little bit further forward and um which is or I mean I already sit back a little bit on my riding which is just like I don't know it's a bad habit or it's just how I've ended up going um so it's really good that forcing me into a position I've been trying to force myself into anyway yeah is that is that translating to like more front end grip or more confidence yeah more more front end grip and and also like attacking parts of the track with more confidence. Cause if you're over the front, you kind of have to be confident. <laughs> you can't, yeah. Obviously if you're off the back, you are kind of definitely not being confident. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's putting me in a good position and just trying to make it more habit now rather than, cause I do still kind of feel that I'm in a position that I'm not used to. So yeah. I'm just trying to make it a bit more familiar. Yeah. Plenty of time before the first race. So that's all good. How, yeah. how well do you know Richie? Is he someone you kind of hung out a bit with at the races or is it sort of kind of a new friend so to speak yeah I'd say kind of a, a new friend I mean I've always always sort of said hi and stuff and um but I mean he's a pretty quiet guy himself uh but it'd be it'd be cool to get to know get to know him more and get to know uh Casper more um but, I mean the first thing that Damien asked me was like what do you know about Yeti as a team or what do you think about Yeti as a team and I just said like it's a pretty quiet team and he was like yeah well bang on <laughs> do you think you'll be able to uh like you'll get on with that environment so 
I mean, yeah, they, they, they definitely like to kind of keep themselves themselves and um, it's kind of a quiet environment, which is, which is nice. I think I've always, I mean, obviously people know me as being a little bit, a little bit louder or maybe a little bit silly and stuff like that. But I think when you, when you're part of a race team, you, you're there to race. So it's, um, it's quite nice to have a contrast in terms of like when I go off to go riding with the girls, like maybe the week before race week, we can do all our silly bits there, but then it's kind of like a nice, um, focused environment to come back to for the race. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's been working for, for those guys for a while. So yeah. gotta be, gotta be a good spot to be. And Definitely. what do you think teams are looking for? Like, are they more interested in kind of you and what you do away from racing? Are the results super important? Like you said, with Ibis, there's definitely, they want, they want the results. Is that the same for Yeti, you think? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very race driven, um, performance driven. They, yeah, they're definitely after results. And I suppose the way I've felt it so far is it's not just like, we want results from you. It's more like, how can we collectively get you to hundred percent so you can get results that we all want which feels a lot more inclusive um and just it feels more like a team effort already and i mean mm-hmm. we've not i've only sort of been with them for a month um but it just it d- definitely feels like they want to give me absolutely every resource possible to make make me the best i can be um which to be honest after the like last year's performance at the end of the year like it's kind of made me realize that you need to take advantage of all the everything you're being offered. So rather than seeing it as like, I suppose at the start of the season, I was probably seen as like, oh my God, I just thought it was pressure. Cause I was like, oh my God, they're giving me all this stuff that, you know, that I've got everything I could possibly need to perform. Why am I not performing? Whereas yeah. I've tried to spin it on its head now and be like, just take, take advantage of everything that you might need to become better at what you're doing. Happy days. So big change there, new team, lots of fresh things, but you've made a few other changes this winter. First off, you've got a, a little dog. Yeah, I would. I would. Oh, it's a. I was going to say, I would get him involved, but he's uh, he's on his little holiday today. So. Oh bless! And he's from the the Bernard Kerr breeding program. Yeah, he is indeed. Yeah, he's a hundred percent chiller in the house, and then absolutely hundred percent nutter in the in the forest. Is he a working <laughs> so, spaniel? Yeah, a working cock spaniel, yeah. and. Uh, we were kind of nervous to get a dog. Me and Chloe both been talking about getting one, and then obviously we travel so much with racing. And then when we seen like Larder going about his little race set up, and he goes to all the races and stuff, I was like, hmm, maybe if I do set up Team Go On, I could he could come to all the races and stuff. So, and we just thought it's someone we know. The dog's a really nice dog, so let's just do it. And honestly, couldn't imagine like not having a dog now. It's so good. Does he come out on trail rides as well? He's a little bit young just yet. He's only six months, okay. so you kind of have to wait. I mean, some people do run them straight away, but it's pretty bad for their joints and stuff. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, he's, he's on a race program, you see. <laughs> he's, got, <laughs> he's got a full 12 months of just uh, just doing the warm-up. <laughs> Fair play. He's, built, he's doing his base miles. <laughs> yeah, he's getting his base miles in and getting his fitness up. God, he does do his base miles. He run honestly, he must run like 10 times what we walk on a walk. He's like nice. absolutely crazy. He's like... He's just all he's trying to do is sniff for birds, and then when they flap out of the bushes, that's him. He's like happy as Larry. He's like, "Where's the next one?" It's cool. quite funny. Has that given you a nice like escapism from the the training and the riding? Yeah, definitely. It's like doing like doing this job. It's like you're kind of like super selfish, really, because you're constantly thinking about how can you be better, how can you work on yourself, how can will this help my racing, blah blah blah. But having him is like 
he doesn't care like <laughs> what you're doing that day. He doesn't like he's just he's just there for strokes, cuddles, and like walks and that. It's just meant to have something that's and he's so constant. Like it's just like he's always going to want to go out on a walk, and he's all like it gives you quite a lot of st- like stability and structure into the day, which is really nice because like this this job's so varied with like one day you might be. I don't know, just riding your bike one day, you might be in the gym. Like it's just so varied and he's just mm. like, yeah. Little he's got a little rock. <laughs> oh, bless. So That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, and an- another big change, you've started working with Fit for Racing this off season, yeah? Yeah. Fit for anything I'm gonna be, apparently. <laughs> Very good. It's what drove the... what drove that move? I just always watched it, like seeing Elliot do it and um seen it all on social media and stuff. And I just love that kind of training anyway. Like the I've always thought like post racing i'd quite like to do a bit of crossfit anyway just because okay. it's kind of crossfit style it's got a quite a lot of overlap with cross uh, with crossfit so I, I just enjoy the high intensity um short and sharp training and yeah we just start started work we actually it's funny actually we started working with them like four weeks before finale <laughs> and then and he was like oh my gosh you've only done like four sessions i don't think i can i can own this one that you, you know <laughs> now you're on the podium and now you've won one <laughs> But yeah, we just sort of got our foot in the foot in the door at the start, like at the end of last season, just to see what, just to meet the guys, and and now it's been it's been such a good partnership. Like we we go down there once a week and actually train with them, and then the rest of the training is just here at home, and it's just a really good environment. Like the, well, we love hanging out with them anyway, and and then and riding we ride with them as well. It's it's good crack to ride with them, and uh, yeah, the the training is if you like hard work, then it, it's for you. <laughs> it's quite hard work like yeah it is brutal I've done one session on with them oh, have yeah. you? and uh, I was pretty broken afterwards <laughs> yeah I remember doing the first session and thinking no I'm not going back <laughs> like that's awful I just remember thinking it's like you can get completely finished off and destroyed in about 10 minutes yeah but um, I suppose it's it has actually helped me realise that I've probably never been to like my 100% <laughs> like okay. it's kind of it's definitely been eye-opening in terms of like I think I'll be have a better gauge on like being able to dig deep deeper than because I've always been a little bit scared of like digging to the bottom and then like literally not being able to hold onto your bike for the last yeah. bit of the stage or whatever um but there's always so much more than you think there is in the tank definitely yeah your so, brain yeah. holds you back for sure oh god yeah that is the number one whole like setback <laughs> yeah yeah well with last season being so different then like with all the kind of the double headers and the, the physical demands were quite different throughout the season will you change anything in your training this winter like have you got a good feel for what ews racing is going to look like in 2022 uh honestly no and it's something i quite i'm probably going to reach out to the ews and ask them a little bit because i remember i think eddie masters was did like a little bit of a like a what's it called survey monkey yeah uh, yeah to all the riders about saying like did was anyone aware that this is how the racing was going to be blah 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 and it, i think it'd be useful if we did that again but pre like pre-season yeah, <laughs> this yeah. time rather than like in the middle of the season because uh i mean my training has completely changed anyway i'd say starting with fit for racing it's got quite a different spin on how i'm going about my training and so i'm, I'm just open-minded to like sticking with what I'm doing at the moment with fit for racing. Um, I'm already feeling a lot of benefits and feel really strong on the bike. I mean, my f- number one thing I went to, went to Johnny at fit for racing and said like, I want to feel strong for the whole tra- track and like 
when I see a corner, I want to hit it like how hard I know I can hit it rather than hold back. Because I was always kind of like towards the end of the stage, sort of like not riding my bike how I wanted to ride my bike because I was just scared of collapsing and stuff. So yeah, now I've just got constant doms on my shoulders because <laughs> <laughs> we're working so much on on sort of upper body and core and stuff. Um, but yeah, the maybe a little EWS survey would be good to know. Maybe yeah. I'll write that now. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to know, I guess. Yeah, just what you're training for, right? Rather yeah. than having the shock that I think a lot of people had. At yeah, the start I think, of the season, but. and I think they're juggling it about a little bit because the sport's changing for like obviously to try and make it a bit easier to televise it and um but it has definitely changed the sport quite a bit so it's yeah it's worth it's worth EWS letting us know what we're training for if things are going to change again yeah fair play and what about go on girls because it's been a bit quieter I guess with you in Scotland and Martha over in New Zealand like what are the plans is there stuff coming up that you can tell us about yeah I mean go on's definitely um I suppose like in lockdown we did like a load of youtube stuff that was really good fun but the logistics of doing like carrying that on at the moment when she's in new zealand and i'm in uh, scotland don't really work um so i suppose yeah we've kind of like kind of got a bit more of our own lives going on at the moment um i've been focusing more on the racing and stuff uh but we we are organizing the festival for this year which was we were shocked like when we because we we delayed it for two years because of COVID, we just couldn't be bothered to try and organise a festival with all the different rules being put in place and changed all the time. So we are doing it this year and we were shocked because it sold out in like a day. And so we were like, oh wow, people have been waiting for us to come back. So we're super excited to do that. And we're just pretty much, it all happens behind the scenes. Like we're, we're pretty rubbish at like staying super consistent on like Instagram and stuff at the moment, but we are working pretty hard and can't wait for the, for the festival in June because it's going to be about three times the amount of people that we had like last, last the Fair first claim. one. So yeah. it's going to be a little bit busier and ho- hopefully we'll pull it off again. It was an awesome event last time. So, um, I mean, the sun definitely made a, a difference. We had like beaming sun all weekend. So we'll, we're going to book that in. I've told everyone we booked that one in. <laughs> awesome. And it was that at Farmer John's again? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much just doing Farmer John's bike park takeover, hiring the airbag and stuff and, do a little jewel slalom race and, and that and just a big women's takeover pretty much but good stuff the uh the general idea of it is we'd really like to do sort of multiple events rather than just make it a bigger event because i think if it got bigger it could just keep going and going and like end up like an hard rock type thing but uh-huh. we quite like the, the the size of it at the moment like it's just small lets people grow and like lets people want to actually try things because it doesn't feel too intimidating so yeah, yeah. We'll probably just try and do them in different venues, I think. Wicked. Sounds good. And then EWS uh, for this year kicks off in the Tweed Valley, which is where it left off last season with you taking the win. Does that put you in a brilliant position or a tough position <laughs> coming like coming back in as the, the reigning champion from that event? Oof, yeah, it's uh, I've definitely been pretty realistic because I think you could end up just putting a lot of stress on yourself. Obviously, I'd love to win it again and I'm sure I'm going to have every tool to, to be able to win it and hopefully keep getting on with the bike. Um, but I, I've sort of already said to myself that, like, obviously the aim is a win, but I, the, the sort of aim for that race is, is to podium because I don't want to, like, because it could start off your season amazing or it could work completely the other way and you could be like, I don't know, say I didn't quite get the result I was after and then your whole season can just tumble down from there but I'd much yeah. rather it be like a, a building block where okay 
if my season can start off here, like let's see where it can go from here. Um, so I'm fully aware of that and like all the new setup and team and stuff, you got to take all that into consideration. But I'll be obviously training to win it for sure. That's, that's the plan. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And I'm hoping to race the EWS 100 there. Mega. Be the first time I've ever raced anything like that. And I'm certainly uh, nowhere near ready, but I'm going to do what I can between now and then. Get to, on the fit for racing training programme. Can't handle it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to get like four session deep and then and then it the doms sort of wear off a little bit. <laughs> oh, brutal. Well, I was going to say any <laughs> advice other than start fit for racing. <laughs> uh, any advice? Ooh. Put a mud guard on your bike, probably. Because yeah. we've one. been having amazing weather now, so you, you're sure as hell it's going to like be raining. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just pack your pockets with snacks. Okay. And don't wear tinted lenses. Because yeah. it's so dark up here, anywhere, anyway. Yeah, the top woods is so dense, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? It's, it is really. Although some of the trails have lightened up a little bit with like some of the trees falling, but yeah, yeah, the definitely don't wear tinted lenses. So mud guard, tint, clear lenses, and pockets full of snacks. Got it. And you'll be on the top of the box. <laughs> ah, yeah, I very much doubt it. If I can get round, I'll be happy. Oh, yeah. that's mega! What bike are you riding? Uh, Cossack Rocket Max, so 160. Nice. Good so stuff. Should be right. Yeah, plenty. There's a lot to be done between now and then. I think I would, I could maybe just about ride the practice day at the moment, but I would not be able to get out of bed the next day. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe try out. a couple of back to back days of riding. That will yeah. definitely help. Yeah, I need to build some big, uh, that, yeah, the diesel engine needs some work, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we'll get there. <laughs> Cool. You're more of a two-stroke, are you? <laughs> if that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if people uh, if people want to keep up to date with you throughout the season, see what you're up to, um, where's the best place for them to follow you? They could just write me a letter. That'd be all right. <laughs> Carrier pigeon. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, just try and stay off grid. <laughs> yeah, no, head over to Instagram. So just Bex Baroner or Bex underscore Baroner, I think. I'll stick um, a link in the show notes so people can find it. But yeah, good stuff. I'm excited to see how you get on. New team, new start, back in the Tweed Valley. Hope it yeah. all goes well. So yeah, best of luck for a good off season and we'll catch you in the Tweed Valley for round one in uh, in June. Yeah, thank you very much. I look forward to seeing how you get on. Nice one. <laughs> Cheers, Bex. See, see you soon. later. Bye. Bye. All right, that's it for this episode with Bex. I really hope you enjoyed listening. A big thank you to Kushkor for supporting this episode. If you want a setup that's been proven by pro downhill and EWS racers that's going to help you go bigger, corner harder and ride faster with total confidence, then they've got everything you need. Cushcourt really isn't just an insert to help reduce the chance of punctures or rim damage. It really does improve the way your bike rides. Head over to cushcourt.com and find the right products for your bike and your riding now. Also, a big thank you to Magura. Don't forget, you could win a full MT7 Pro customize your brake bundle from Magura. All you need to do is to head over to at Downtime Podcast on Instagram and find the post from Monday, the 24th of January. It shows all the brake options there and you'll find all the info you need to enter. It's really simple and one lucky winner is going to be chosen at random on the 1st of March. So you've only got until the end of February to enter. You better be quick. To check out the entire range of Magura's brakes and customization options with some really great guides to help you find the best setup for you, then head over to magura.com. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. 
I'm going to keep the rest of this short and sweet, but what I will say is that if your rider mates aren't listening to the podcast yet, then please let them know what they're missing out on. Spreading the word like that is a massive help to me as it's ultimately you lot listening that enables me to keep going. All right, we've got another awesome episode coming up really soon, but until then, get out and ride.